and welcome to the Dice of the Screaming Podcast. Oh, that's a hearty roar. I like that. Hey, I'm Randy. I'm Mike. Yeah, and he's back. Hey, welcome back, bud. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's a little scary flying solo, but I managed to make it. Uh, I'm a lich. I'm a lich, and the lich is back. Better than ever. That's a matter of fact. Yeah. Well, welcome back. And I know that you had a rough time. <laughs> oh, I'm not kidding. I They worked me like the... Uh, redheaded stepchild of a rented mule. Uh, that that dragged out a lot longer than. Oh, me. so you got a promotion? <laughs> All right. uh, well, I I did leave a lot of good feels behind, though. Uh, people were very pleased that like I I really came through for them in the clinch. So it's not like I didn't get any love for it, but oh my gosh, uh, it's going to be a while before I tackle another project like that. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, I was just like a, yet another grunt on a store remodel. So uh, that was uh, plagued by some inefficiencies and some crises and uh, the supplies were robbed and like <laughs> huge delays and cost overruns. Uh, just a nightmare for everybody. But if you show up every day with a positive attitude and hey, uh, I, I'm also known for baking snacks and sharing them with everybody I work with. So <laughs> yeah. You're like a brownie. I'm yep. a Hi. Oh, well. <laughs> a little helper. <coughs> well, you can expect no less well. from the unwashed hermit wizards of oh, podcasts. Shirt woven out of hair. All right, great. <laughs> Hanging out on the edge of town. There are magic potions for sale. And no one ever buys them. <laughs> yeah, they're magic potions, right? The secret ingredient is meth. All right. <laughs> That's not us, however. Oh, no, we're not that bad. We're not that bad. But, uh, you know, we are the uh, last resort in <laughs> in potion buying. So uh, The yeah. low-hanging fruit of gaming podcasts. So, yeah, good one. Anyway, uh, yeah, we've had a, a little bit of a rough time. Um, we, I was sick and wasn't terribly sick, but just, just did not feel good. Yeah, you and, got all uh, beat up with the flu, didn't you? Yeah, a little bit. It just took the wind out of my sails. Didn't uh, sideline me, but and that was my like horse. My only, like that was like my only day off. And yeah, you I, were. I like, just was really not feeling bad. it, man. I was just like, you know, I'm dragging tail, and I just can't get, I can't get any headwind to get up out of this rut. So I'm just gonna have to pass. I'm like, no, I'm not feeling. Well, it's just as well. I mean, if I'd been in contact with a cold like that, as exhausted as I was, I'm like 100% sure I would have caught it. (laughs) On the other hand, looking back, after the way I felt at the end of that week, uh, I kind of wish you'd knocked me out of the game. (laughs) Just... (laughs) Oh, it's just a girl example, yeah. I just curled up in bed with some books and just... (sighs) So, yeah, let's uh, let's tear into it here. Yeah, Um, let's do this. We got, uh, we're here, it, man, it is the uh, Revenge of the Fifth. It's uh, the day after May 4th, and uh, may the 4th be with you. I had a good uh, little celebratory. I got uh, wave two of those retro action figures from Hasbro. Bravo. Uh, yeah, they're on the way. And, um, yeah, I've been, uh, one of my side little things I've been doing is collecting the original 12, and then Hasbro decided uh, Star Wars figures that uh, they would reissue them. <laughs> Bless their hearts. I mean, it's not uh, overly... It's a lot cheaper than buying them on the secondary market or hunting for years for one specific figure. Yeah, and You know how hard it is to find a Tusken Raider? Oh, jeez. 
Yeah, it, you know, that's under like a hundred bucks. Yeah, it's pretty hard. Well, yeah. Original Han Solo still in box. Oh, I ripped the cover off that. <laughs> you ruined the value. Philistine. Right. But the whole point is, I got to put him in the Millennium Falcon, man. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, sure, we got things to do. Space <laughs> Cowboy in the book. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Who's your favorite Star Wars? There's only two. Star Wars characters are important. Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Nope. Beg to differ. Han Solo and the Wolfman. Wow. Gilgamesh and the Wild Man yeah. on, on the spaceship. Gilgamesh and Enkidu. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right again. <laughs> In George Lucas's Hidden Fortress. Oh! <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was good. I hope uh, uh, all you Star Wars geeks out there enjoy it. I just... Uh, you know, I noticed that the Trekkies, they wouldn't say, may the 4th be with you. They would just say, happy May the 4th. Always got to be such a downer. Uh, just kidding. Yeah, you know what? The best thing about it is I got to watch Picard all the way through. And wow. Oh. I did not I did not even expect like to get half of that. If I, we just would have had that for just one scene like that. Just one last ride. Of those guys going against the um, Star Killer base, Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, Lando. See, that's how they should have gone out, right? And they, it, could we just had that first? Take notice. I think Kevin Feige and, and the others, uh, Devro, is it? Oh well, John Favreau. Favreau, uh, Favreau. Yeah, sorry. Who, for my money, is just like an absolute blessing. Yeah, it, I think that they're going to be paying attention to that. So stay tuned. So. Yeah, but, if only the like hacks that put together the third trilogy uh, had had this to go by. If that had been their like, you know, graphic chart, like, okay, uh, people's response to this was, oh, over here, one hundred percent. Over here, one hundred percent. Over here, one hundred and ten percent. We're not even sure where the other ten people came from. I think they brought them in from outside, and they'd never seen it before. And when they saw it, they went nuts. So, we need to do this, this, and this. Picard, outstanding job. I'm so glad you got a chance to see it. But yeah, I mean, if only the third trilogy writers had been watching that kind of stuff, they, they would have had their... Yeah, you know, no spoilers for anybody who hasn't yeah. watched it. We're I'm not, not going to give too much. But you will be, if, look, having the whole cast together, one last adventure. Yeah. That's all we ask. And when, when speaking about that, uh, we're talking about movies. We uh, Last are uh, where we were... Where we were conjoined, we talked about Napoleon's combined. We be uh, Captain Failure. Um, <laughs> we were talking about the D and D movie. We're like Firestorm. Which one's the teenage jock and which one's the old genius teacher? I don't know. <laughs> Just, <laughs> there's there's not a like young badass left between the two of us. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think uh, given... we we had that back in our day. I think that's both of us. Is that at one point we were very young and very badass, and, and then we both got old and smart in spite of ourselves. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> or at anyway, least we got old. We got old. Yeah, that's for certain. Um, when well, yeah, we, we were left... talk we were talking about movies, and uh, we we're talking about the D and D movies. So, Jason, yeah, oh, man. yeah. Oh man, long time caller, long time listener. So yeah, he called in and uh, 
he'd give us our, his two cents on what he thought about that episode. So, hey, we're just going to skip to take it away, Jason. Hey, guys, Jason here. So I went and saw the D&D movie, and I was impressed. It was much better than I thought it would be. It's definitely the best D&D movie out there. And, you know, it's better than any of the Three Jackson Hobbit movies, although that's kind of a low bar, isn't it? Anyhow, I, I wasn't quite as taken with it as you were. I think they probably could have taken it down to 90 minutes, and it would have been okay. But all in all, hearty recommendation for me. You know, no qualms at all in telling people to go see it. Uh, I think it, it does it justice, and I'm interested to see what they do with the property from there on. I don't know that Hasbro's D&D bothered me as much as some people. I've heard other people complain about that, but, I mean, Watsy's D&D would bother me too, and, you know, you can't really call TSR's D&D anymore, so w- what do we want to see? You know, Gygax and Arneson's D&D? I don't know, but keep up the great work. Okay, hey, thanks, Jason. Yeah, um, I'm glad you enjoyed. We really, uh, me and the wife went and seen it, and it was, uh, theater was, there was about maybe 10 people there, a couple uh, groups right <laughs> in front of row, and it was nice being in that theater and listening to people laugh at the same jokes and, and point and say, oh, yeah, I got that. You know, you could definitely tell the D&D crowd was in force. So that was a nice thing. I liked uh Maybe it's been a while since I've been in the theater, but it, it was a nice thing. It, it was uh, a little bit more sedate. But, uh, yeah. Um, I didn't notice the time go by. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like you said, it could have been 90 minutes. Man, I, I don't know. I, I would have even preferred another uh, 15, 20 minutes. To, uh, I, I got to say, it almost was like a filmic version of uh, the musical style of the Pixies. Loud, quiet, loud. Mm-hmm. Where you're not allowed enough time to get downright bored. You know, there's some downtime backstory. Ooh, action! Downtime backstory. Action! Downtime backstory. Action! You know, it never had the pacing was sufficient to keep my interest the whole time. And I I didn't really notice the clock drag on. I I was completely engaged, though. So, yeah. (laughs) uh, Which is why I gave it the highest rating was like, would pay to see it more than once. Yeah, we went, me and the wife went and seen it a second time. We had just as much fun. Of course, at that point, we went and uh, got more food. So, Ooh. Yeah. Because they, they got uh, at the local cinema, they got a nice little buffet thing so you could load up. I had a mega popcorn and a big drink. Oh, yeah. You know, as I'm there with my lake. <laughs> <laughs> lake and a catheter. Yeah, exactly. Well, if it, they could have made that a six-hour movie, and I would have just been like, all right, I'm bringing like a Piddle pack, yeah, uh, an Air Force piddle pack, <laughs> and I will be ready to stay right here. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we, of course, we gushed about it because it was kind of cathartic. There had been a lot of luck oh, after what we went through with the last movie, um, which I, right up there with electroshock therapy and hemorrhoid surgery. I it just, oh, dude, it. To have this cathartic release where I got a thing with the Dungeons and Dragons name on it that is a fun, enjoyable, well-made movie. Yep. That's all I wanted. That's all we I mean, wanted. It, it's just like, this is the classic Gen X Christmas story. Like, I never did get the Christmas present I always wanted. Yeah. All those years ago, I just wanted that one toy. My parents never got it for me. We got it. Finally. Like that, 
that's it. That's all I wanted. Sense of relief. Oh, yeah. Happy days. Not sorry. <laughs> well, you know, and, <coughs> and I'm very interested to see what happens next. Now, yeah, there's a lot of had to be a tragedy. You know, there, it's not a perfect movie by any sense. Oh, no, I think that you bring up some good points. Is that other than the uh, making it 90 minutes, I I kind of like having a movie that takes its time. It's uh, like I like the last Batman movie because it was exactly long enough. It, I did not feel like I was going to be hurled or dragged through this movie. I, I felt like I experienced it at the pace that was comfortable enough. And when the action scenes came around, I was really uh, glued to them. But we also, oh, the dirt Marcus. Is that Fist Borcus? <laughs> no, it is not Fist Borcus. Yeah, yeah, but I think that the uh, part of what we want to hit on here is that, yeah, it after years of being subjected to, hey, the height of D&D pop culture is the D&D animated cartoon. This was good. It was good to see the kids in there uh, kind of growing up. That was a nice little nod. I mean, I think that was like completely fan service. It was a little backhanded nod. That, yeah, we keep doing this like they do. We're all going to die. Yep. And, and that look on their face. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, not to give too much, but yeah, the, the homages were pretty obvious and uh, well received. Yeah, and the duo that's doing the writing and uh, pr production of this seems like they get their finger on the pulse of how to move move this forward with the franchise. So that'll be interesting to see if we do get a sequel. Yeah, loved the Paladin in the background, man. They, like if that guy doesn't show up in the next in the next film offering, I will be profoundly disappointed because he was wonderful. <laughs> and Chris Pine was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Couldn't stand it. <laughs> Oops. Well, so, yeah, that happened. I guess we had an internet drop. Sorry, folks. Uh, but, hey, you caught us in mid-ramble. So we were just talking about the D&D movie with uh, having some of the writing team carrying forward with the franchise and having the uh, outstanding performance by the expatriate um, Thane Paladin. I forget his name, but uh, yeah, he needs to be in the uh, future franchises going oh, forward, or yeah. even with that's the a D &D, uh, TV show that's being valued about. Uh, he needs to be a part of that. So we'll see where they go from there. Because that that guy making lawful good look cool, you know, yep. that very was... literal interpretations like that. <laughs> so, uh, not to mention, I mean, you know, oh. like you get the impression the character is a little bit on spectrum, you know, little. You know, sure. little Asperger's-ish. And, you know, this is, I mean, a picture of somebody who is incredibly literal and yet 100% functional. So I, I, I felt like that yeah, was it. Look at him walking away on a straight line. Is he going <laughs> to walk around that rock? Nope, he's just going to go right over it. Yep, right over the rock. There he goes. <laughs> yeah, so um, <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff going on in that movie where we'll, Hopefully they can develop more at it. Anyway, um, kind of moving along here, so we don't get cut off. Yeah, that. don't know what the. Uh, I want to talk about uh, uh, last week's podcast. It's, uh, I had a slightly different take on the Pinkertons. I had a very specific thing that I disapprove of. Oh well, um, why don't we uh, save that for a future episode? Because let's right now talk about the. Uh, oh, this is a high speed recap of last week. I mean, we're pretty much dropping that subject after this. You know. We're, we're not 
revisiting the Pinkertons, unless, of course, WOTC continues to use private security. Wizards, well. But I want to get in one last slap, which is All right. my specific anger, and I can keep it in under a minute. It is lopsided justice, okay? Mm -hmm. They have different ways to treat different levels of customer. The very large-scale buyers do not get dinged for releasing stuff onto the market early. But the little people who accidentally managed to get their paws on some of this, you know, not for immediate release material, they get Pinkerton visits. Really, there is nothing but moral cowardice in every direction in a place that penalizes only the people they can afford to abuse. That is not okay. That is not cool. So... Wizards, I'm dinging you for that. That's exactly Oh, well, we were going to have enough to throw shade because I'm not going to stop throwing shade, and I probably won't for a long time. I don't have much of a dog in the fight, but there was going to be a format to this. But no, I just you had to get it out there before well, that? All I wanted right. that in first segment because I, I don't want that well, to Well, we were just going to go into that because we were going to talk about the previous Astrogellomancer who's now on vacation. Yeah, it's laying on a beach somewhere, sipping a drink with like little umbrellas in it and fruit floating on top of it, trying to get a tan. We've been working the Astrogalomancer pretty hard, so we need to give him rest. So, from the next couple episodes, at least, it's going to be on vacation. So, what do you get from week to week? Well, it's just a free-for-all. You don't know. You're just going to have to tune in and find out. That's right. The door is locked from the outside. <laughs> You're stuck with us. All right. So... Two Enough gamers that. enter, one gamer leaves. It's it's a free for all, but uh, we were going to talk about the D and D Creator Supplement and a uh, supplement. Yeah, I can't get that word out of my mouth. Summit and some of its uh, repercussions, some of its echoes, and that's pretty much going to be the gist of this episode. Is we're going to talk about that along with uh, the changing scene of the or the changing face of the RPG scene. I want to say the scene is changing the scene, but it's a rapid evolution, which uh, again, you know, thank you, wizards. You triggered that. You know, like the attempt to invoke a dark age kicked off a renaissance. So, <laughs> yeah, and I'll say it. I've said it and I'll say it again. If I had a nickel for every time Paizo came in to the rescue of the gaming scene, I would have 10 cents, which is <laughs> like the meme says, which is more than anybody else would have accomplished. So, uh, that I would not have expected a second time, but here they are. So we're going to deal with that, the remaster, and a lot of other things. But we're going to touch on the summit a little bit and talk about not only just some of the gigantic missteps they made prior to the oh, Pinkertons, yeah. but uh, since you brung that up, yeah, the uh, Pinkertons, um, I've noticed that a lot of people say, well, I'm really tired of hearing about it. Well, too bad. Um, they had a... They had an opportunity to just contact a small-time YouTuber that covers that creates content for their product and ask them not to do that. And it probably would have been obeyed or at least understood. But no, they had to go to the maximum degree, and it, it's a bad look. But it's a number of steps in a bad look. It's the worst one they've done so far. So in the Hold My Beard Challenge, I... I really shudder to say this lightly. I I don't want to see them go further. Okay. Um, yeah. I, my joke last time was like before that happened, 
we used to jokingly all say to each other and to uh, detractors about our open gaming experiences, hey, do whatever you want. It's not like Wizards is going to send a goon squad to take your books and dictate terms at your table. But we can't say that with certainty anymore. Yes, well, I know it's 100 percent certainty, but uh, right, you know. we can't say that with certainty because it's you can't rule it out. They're they're clearly willing to engage in that. Now, I do want to ding everybody involved because, like the the upper level vendors who like get a lot of clout and a lot of advance notice, and mm-hmm. you know they get a lot of passes because they spend so much money, which means that the only thing that decides what the rule book is for WOTC is the money, and if you're spending millions, th- you don't. Laws don't happen for people like you, sir. Uh, and then little people, like, oh, a peon. <laughs> a lot of you are going to die, but that's a sacrifice we're willing to make. You know, just two wildly divergent attitudes depending on who they're dealing with. And I hate that. If you wonder what makes customers like us miserable little low-class people down here at the bottom, why are we so angry at you? Why do we seem to randomly rise up and torment you? That would be it. Yeah, you treat us like a magic card, tap for resource. Yeah, and that's it. You don't care about the community. They really these other people who can break the rules and totally walk away unscathed. They're of no consequence. No one is upset about it uh, over in the WOTC offices, or if they are, uh, they bite their tongues and hold it because. Well, you know, that's a very big customer. We can't afford to make them upset. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had the courage of your, of your convictions, you would hold those level of purchasers to account when they leak merchandise out early. If that really is a thing that matters to you, you would have taken steps. Now, the only thing where I ding the little guys is, uh, I'm technically, I'm only peripheral to the trade. But there is nobody who doesn't understand what these release dates mean and the rules that the comic shops and other smaller vendors live with, okay? Right. We all live with those. We all know what they are, and we all know what they mean legally. The pretense that I could never possibly have known that there was a thing I was doing that would have received you know, like some kind of negativity from them. Don't do me the insult of lying to my face. You well, know perfectly well what you did. If you see the box, and they over the art for them, it's yeah. not very clear. I mean, the dude did a side by side comparison, and yeah, I <laughs> I see it on the channel, and it's also the vendor he bought from is not the specific. pretense that he didn't read the vaguely similar boxes. I'm sorry, dude. I just I don't buy that a minute. Okay? Well, you don't have to because if, if you're that dumb. You don't have a show. You don't have to. You don't have to do it because the point is, is it was Wizards pulled the trigger on that anyway. Yeah. So their, it makes it their irrelevant. Overreaction, their right. overreaction is not excusable. A best way to handle that would have been a cease and desist, Big or way. if they wanted to be a little dickish about it and kind of smack them with a rubber band in the private parts, they just could have put uh, a copyright strike yeah. on his YouTube channel. Oh, they and, could have dinged him with a takedown just like that, and right. I, like those are easy to get. A lot of YouTubers dealing with uh, what is now takedown culture, where like demonetization is an attack form. Okay, where yeah, a large enough series of complaints from a large enough number of people, and boom, you're out of the racket. Uh, 
you know, it's, look, it's it's easy to say that there's a lot of confusion available, and it's not like this has never happened before. Yeah, it's it was an easier thing to lean into and just say, hey, well, there's an advanced release, and so you've seen the cards, aren't they great? And uh, move on and put it under there. Instead, this will be written down in the history books as one of the biggest black marks, I think, outside of the Operation Sun Devil seizure of Steve Jackson's <laughs> property. Yeah. This, and that was enacted by this a bunch was of... abusive, uh, mean-spirited, and it was overkill. And it's anti-customer. Uh, and I'm not saying the customer is always right, because I, I think I pretty yeah, much yeah. just spelled out where I think the customer is wrong. Yep. But... Even though the customer is wrong, you still want customers. And <laughs> gotta need them. Like, uh, if you had misbehaving people in a retail store and they were like just taken outside and beaten in front of everybody else, guess what? Not a lot of people, like the next day, a lot of people not gonna be in your store. <laughs> okay, that's. <laughs> so when we talk about the, uh, the creator summon, Oh. was uh, kind of in the rearview mirror. I mean, the, it, it kind of now. pale anything we can talk about. And the reason why we're still talking about the Pinkertons that incident is because it's important to put this into perspective that this, on top of other things, it's not been a good look for them. And <laughs> they had everything fine. It's the, you know, how they're doing with the magic community. And this is the last time where I know everybody's like got mag magic cards. Magic is the conversation killer. It is. So, oh, well, the way that they've treated the magic community lately, it, there's a lot of fatigue on there. So, that is carrying over to how the RPG uh, crowd is feeling. And it was echoed in the summit that they have, a, they have a strong push for the virtual tabletop version of Dungeons & Dragons that they're going for with this new edition. Which I, is the one thing that I objected to is the... the level of emphasis they have placed upon it. Like, they right. consider this the majority of the new game, and the books are going to be some kind of afterthought. Like, you got it backwards, kids. Look, it's great to have your hobby niche on the on the interwebs. I know it will be, like, popular with some, and I know it will be used. But, you know, you are the shepherds of tabletop culture, and either you are, you know, invested, either you are vested in being a part of that, or you are old news, history, and... You know. Yeah, you're poor stewards of a game. Yeah. Look, they say, oh, well, you know, the computers are the new thing. All the kids are all buzz about it. You know, it's some out-of-touch remotely, you know, they say, oh, Chris Cox isn't a remote out-of-touch. <laughs> but it reminds me of Frank Zappa talking about how the record industry changed by they started getting the guy who used to bring in coffee, and now they put him in, you know, the hip, hey, you're a hip young guy, why don't you tell us what you think is good music? And they ruined it because now that guy's in charge and he only likes a certain form of music. I like ICP. I think that they are masterful. Hey, it's not going to make a great album, but I guess... Uh, I, I, that was back in Frank Zappa's day. Right. That reference is almost so outdated now because like that, that conflict, that universe doesn't exist anymore. I mean, musically speaking, this country is... Like all those, all oh, those. All right. Well, let's not. No, 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 no. All no, that's no, left no, is. No. We're not going to go there. We're, we're going to recycle the next uh, person. We're just going to go. We're America's, just going to keep with the gaming analogy. I know maybe it's a bit dated, but follow America me. America sings crappy. Uh, star number. Buckle up, Frodo. We're going in. Oh, look. Number three hundred and seven. It's got. It's got the point that they put guy in charge that supposedly is in touch with this. He's the hip <clears> new <throat> cat, and he knows what's going on. 
No. Yeah, and he thinks that, yeah, everybody's just crazy about electronics. He's literally like Ryan from The Office. He's got <laughs> just enough spark and drive to convince everybody to follow him into failure. And that's what he's doing. He's He thinks, hey, the next big thing's going to be woof. Everybody will want all their media going off at the, all the same time. So you can get a notification on your Instagram, your Twitter. They're, they're really weird about this BTT because everybody's into BTTs. Look, it's everywhere. Right, because people had to play yeah, during the lockdown. Yeah, just came out of COVID, dude. Uh, you know, what the heck did you expect? This is a temporary scenario. And, like, you can see the tabletops returning even as we speak. Uh, like, at the, the shops that I frequent, uh, tabletop games have come back especially over the last year and a half, a little haltingly at first, but it's continued to grow and grow. It's getting, it's getting better. Yeah. And they, and here's the thing where I'm going to land it. They have an idea that this is where they want to go. And I don't blame them, but their overemphasis on this is going to yeah. be their undoing because people 500 years ago started putting together standard rules to play chess internationally. And it grew and just like about 130, 100 and, uh, 20 years ago, they start doing international competitions. Yeah. And people have been playing chess for centuries, <laughs> and they still will. They, look, Magnus Carlsen, if you don't know who he is, look him up. Still exciting. Um, people still play poker and blackjack online. It's an eSport. Wizards, relax. People will still be playing D&D on a tabletop 500 years from now. Because we're still playing cards and chess in the modern age. Yeah, I mean, it's, you can get them anywhere. Uh, and honestly, they could have converted 100% of chess competition to virtual, uh, where people from around the world compete against each other without having to travel. They don't do that. That's not a thing. Okay, they, they still hold tournaments. People still, like, sit across from one another and compete. Uh the traditional form still exists in a hyper-modern age. And that's that's going to be this, too. That It is about community and people and connection and, like, live laughter. Uh, the Internet, uh, all the VTT tricks and magic in the world will not get you the same experience that sitting at a table with a half a dozen people will. So I, I acknowledge that there is a place for it and that, like the niche should be fostered and built and shepherded and made to exist. I support it. But the imagination that that is like the wave of the future. Oh, the old stuff is going to get left behind. He's like, we, we don't want to be invested in that. You, know, like, you need to put all your money over here. Oh, because uh. nobody listens to blues. And I, or... I'm waiting for a guy to suddenly start singing 76 trombones came marching in. You know, Mr. Music Man there is yeah. selling them on, you know, like, Springfield needs a monorail. <laughs> just it's that all over again, and you people are idiots. Like you just, oh yeah, he made such a good case for it. What yeah, and I just worry. I think Chris Cox is like, you know, he's like nobody was going to listen to the old blues, blues grass anymore. Well, you know, yeah, it might not be the number one seller, but people still listen to it, and that's what they need to come through because what's been lost in their creator summit was not promoting this new cross. Uh, multiverse campaign arc with Vecna, Planescape, and all that. They didn't even really talk very much about that. 
they ended up talking about the VTT and they wondered why people weren't really interested in it when they didn't have any specific answers. And that's terrible, terrible preparation. Yeah, by the Vecna thing sounded awesome to me. Like, man, you could have, like, if I had been at this summit, like, I'd have, can we have more about that? Because I am really curious here about this. Yeah, I want to hear about what the products are going to be. Can we see a, a, a what's your release you know, schedule? What's, what's your timeline? Right. What are some of the, like, core concepts behind yeah. the individual module outings so that I, I can get a feedback? for and then you know the idea of building a campaign that eventually graduates between more than one version of the game like working our way from basic <laughs> dnd all the way to planescape that's got some potential man you like you got my you got my gamer heart all a flutter and then instead we got like hey let's not we'd like you to not discuss anything while we just show off the VTT concept and, and try to really get you on the bandwagon for this. Like, eh, dead. I, I got you got nothing. Yeah. So they, and that's they got raked over the coals by our uh, thank you to uh, D and D's various influencers online. Uh, <laughs> You, you lived up to your responsibilities handsomely. You asked Yeah, we weren't questions. able because everybody was on there to uh, talk, uh, had to sign uh, NDAs. There were people that were actually uh, invited to attend personally, and then there were people who were uh, invited to attend online. Uh, we only know of Indestructiboy. Of course, we know Ginny D's famous. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> you wasted my time. <laughs> so, yeah, when you got those influencers, like, angry at you, you failed your task, Wizards, and you need to go back to the drawing board. So, all right. Well, with that, we're going to go ahead. Oh, there's a call coming in. So, we're going to take a break here, and we'll be right back. So, stick around. All right, and we're back. So, hey, without the forecasting guidance, the foretelling guidance, excuse me, of the Astrogallomancer, we're just free-forming it. So what is our topic for today? Yeah, what you really tuned in here for was the changing scene of the RPG scene. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's just crazy. So we're going to go with that. Uh, Wizards' attempt to invoke a dark age has created a renaissance. Um, you know, it it worked exactly the opposite as they hoped. I mean, they, they thought, like, this is going to be our power play to move to the forefront. We're, we're going to take the lead. We're going to raise the banner and we're going to be number one in the field and everybody's going to know our name and we're going to really increase our, our total income mm. and absolutely destroyed their own image uh, and caused right. everyone else to break away and create a new license that was open and then basically a tidal surge of companies producing amazing new material. Uh, which is everything I could have asked for. I, which I, I also completely expected that. That that was the predictable result. Yeah, like and the I, OSR arising out as a backlash against telling that third edition was bad, wrong, fun, and you needed to stop. Yeah, it is reminiscent of that 4E. Uh, you know, and, stupidity. you know, pity that the game didn't get more attention because I think that at a, at a glance, if it wasn't called Dungeons & Dragons, it would have been a fine game. Or if it would have been more finely tuned to capturing the essence of what D&D &D is, rather than trying to uh, appeal to the MMO 
RPG crowd or some other kind of nonsense. I it was it's hard to tell because there's so much cover your ass going on from all those people. <laughs> then it was yeah, look. We're we're famous for being like we hate for you, but we don't hate for you players. Please uh Yeah, uh, please understand we, we are going to reiterate our our general stance is that if that was the experience that you had at the onset of your interest in D&D and it colored your perceptions and you look back with the rose-colored lenses and say, man, that was great fun. Good for you. Right? I am not going to I'm not going to crap on that. I am going to say that structurally it was so alien to us that we were like, I, this this is not D&D. I mean, it's got the name on it, yeah, but I mean, other than that, like that's where the similarity ends. Um, <laughs> so, like early in the podcast, when we said that, like, yeah, Paizo came to the rescue. Well, they kind of did. Their camping of a new license, a new way forward, has opened the door for a lot of people to continue making stuff. And based so, on the good sense that, like, wow, a lot of people liked this right up until you killed it. Uh, why don't we continue to do this? This is a this is the thing that works and that people enjoy. Why? I mean, like, are you just taking it away to be extra mean? <laughs> and there was Paizo going, "Hey, that thing you really liked that they just killed, we have that." Boom! Instant money, uh, and so a tiny little clique of people launched themselves into the gamosphere and were popular overnight. All right, and so coming into that. We have uh, basically four contenders we're going to talk about, maybe five. I, I wouldn't even say contenders, but uh, they're compatriots. Entra they're, entrance into taking yeah. advantage of not all new arrivals. Well, yeah, they're new entries into the gaming sphere, and two of them are really big. But uh, the first one, let's talk about Tales of the Valiant. And... Uh, it was first Cobalt Press, which is a, a rather successful third-party publisher content for 5th edition. Uh, took one look at that, and when Paizo said, hey, we're creating our own uh, open gaming license, it's going to be called The Orc, and it's got Blackjack and Strippers. <laughs> and they meant it this time. Um, <laughs> the uh, One of the uh, original, or first signers was, well, along with Chaosium and Green Ronin, was... Uh, Cobalt Press, and they said it's going to be the Black Flag project, and they because they didn't have a name that was just a placeholder, but now everybody started calling it Black Flag, and yeah, hey, welcome to marketing. The first name out there is the one you keep remembering, but which uh, oh, I, I love the faint hint of punk reference there. Which I here we are forty odd years later uh, with punk a largely irrelevant memory, uh, and I, I hate saying that. Uh, but I acknowledge the fact that, like, the, the meaningfulness of it is lost in this era for the most part. So I, I'll bemoan my fate later, but I'm, I'm happy that... Like, well, the keep Black it Flag alive. Is. We know what Black Flag is. And yeah. the, people, the people who... May only three people in the world know what we're talking about. But that reference is for you. But those three people are awesome! That's right. We love you! Now... <clears throat> Uh, Black Flag was the name that they gave it, and then finally they announced just recently here, I think it was just in early April, I've kind of lost track, that they're going to, uh, the true name has been unveiled as Tales of the Valiant, and um, they are going to keep saying Tales of the Valiant until it sticks, I guess. So, 
<laughs> um, based on what they've released so far, it uh, this is their entry, and it's kind of here's an analogy again. It's analogous and that. Oh my god. Analogous. Thank you. To what Pathfinder did to the third edition is what they're going to do with the fifth edition with Tales of the Volume. So what we know now is going to be available in two books. It's come upcoming here. I guess the uh this is just the start. It's gonna have 13 base classes, lineages, and heritage from the game, uh, from the Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition game. And all the rules you need to play or GM. And then they're going to have a monster vault, which includes uh, every dungeon crawling and fire belting fantasy creature you need to craft compelling fantasy adventures. And this does also mean that, say, you buy Kiss the Owlbear, the Roper, some of your familiar classic friends, goodbye, because they're not going to be there. But the good news is, is if they officially can't publish rules for them, but if you have the fifth edition, why well, again, you can just reinsert them like they never disappear. Yeah, seriously. They, it's your game. Rock so they, there's the a wink and a nod like, oh, I'm going to really miss having owlbears. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you have this edition monster manual, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? Our rules are 100% compatible with that. To, uh, to refer back to our oldest, oldest podcast, the DM is the creative at the table. Um, and there are some responsibilities that come with that. But one of the joys, like, has nobody here ever crafted their own monster? Okay, so um, <laughs> if the DM just happens to craft, uh, it's a bear owl. Yeah, it's a part bear, part owl. It's a hoot snarler. Okay, so yeah. Yeah. It's a hoot nanny. It's a lot of things. But one thing it's not, they can't use that old core stuff anymore. And so they're going to have to move forward. Now, Tales of the Valiant seems to be trying to preserve what's the best part of 5th edition while fixing some of the errors. So it's going to be 5th edition, uh, I guess, 5.75, like Pathfinder was 5. <laughs> but, yeah, Wizards, and here's the other thing that we're going to uh, slap Wizards around some. So get ready. While they're stumbling around, oh, man, what happened? It's lost weekend. Well, here's the curb stomping that you so deserve. Because none of this needed to happen. You could have not, you could have been there and just said, hey, we're going to reprint the rule books with some new additional material. We're going to clean up some content and we're going to re-release some uh, compilation from our various things like Tasha's Cauldron of Lore and Morgan Kanan's Guide to Everything. Which is kind of how they liked to spin what they were about to do uh, up until it came time to start showing what they were actually going to do you know at some point you have to like actually give people a window into what the next project is going to look like and it turned out that the way things looked was nothing like what they tried to describe whereas they didn't even wait defense, they didn't even try to describe it they yeah. came right out and just said hey oh, yeah. everything's changing um we're, we're, we're changing the ogl we're altering the deal the terms of the contract are now pretty you know, we do not alter it further yeah. They are now no longer. Paizo, on the other hand, actually did their follow through, which well, got to hand it to them. They and... gave it up, but we'll talk about Paizo in a minute. But here's the thing: is that Wizards didn't need to get involved with all this massive change. Their real desire wasn't to change the rules, make them better or easier to play, or give any quality of life to the game that there uh, has brought them so much money and fame. It was to set the clock back to zero and resell everything that they had previously published all over again, but for a new edition. 
and to move as far away from again you know allowing other people a foot in the door yeah that they could do what they want with the license yeah to to basically make it an in-house project with total ip control oh worst judgment call ever yeah and they and this is their fault so some tone deaf stuff there buddy tales of the valiant looks pretty good it uh we'll we'll see more as it comes along uh gen con is going to be uh, a big thriller this year it's definitely oh, gonna be one to see because it's going to be chock full of new material like all the people who have been like spending this year you're like knocking themselves out as fast as possible to draft new material in this renaissance era they're all going to be there man you're going to see some crazy new stuff well and speaking of that the big splash yeah next. the really big splash that we're talking about is while Cobalt Press is important, and I think that um, as far as if you're a, a big fifth edition aficionado, that's going to be your go-to game. That's going to be your uh, Tales of Valiance to be going to be the game to, to get and play and keep uh, moving forward because they'll be producing new content. The next one is Critical Role. Now, everybody had kind of anticipated that there was going to be some announcement from critical role oh, and sure. it was a little disappointing when they just basically said hey we can't say a whole lot right now because of contracts and NDAs and, and yeah. uh, obligations we have to our uh providers content support but we do have our own printing company and that was the precursor of what was going to come next so they announced that in the same day two games and there's some telling things i want to point out about that the first is they announced Illuminated Worlds was going to be a role-playing game release centered around a Dice 6 system that is short campaign arcs, not long-term storytelling, but is adaptable to a variety of genres and possibilities, limited only by your imagination or what you want to do. You want to have um, steampunk uh, Warlords of the Wasteland? Yep, here's your game. Yeah. You can tell that story. And it's story-based gaming and i know for some people out there that's all oh, oh, storytelling i just really hate that well okay i get it but here's the it's thing it's a loaded term if you're used to people whining on the internet that's like oh somebody got some plot all over my action oh whereas a lot of us are like wait you got your action in my plot you got my plot all over your action Oh my God, this is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we, it sounds like this will be a great time. We, we had the Reese's moment. Uh, some people just, you know, I mean, you're never going to make them happy. They, exactly. But at, they're not even happy with the thing they say they're going to be happy about. I wanted all action. You give them all action, and they'll be like, that was too much action. Shame on you. Now, with Illuminated Worlds, they had some artwork to show. They have uh, a direction that's going to go in and some details to give. Yeah. But the other one, I'm excited to see this. I, I actually, yeah. like one, uh, because this is an example of simplicity, like of ease of play, like a die six systems reminiscent of perhaps the original Traveler. Uh, there's, it seems like there are limits to what you can do with that. But I want to get a look at this myself so that I can, I can see how far have they taken this concept and like how much reach does this have? What percentage of storytelling versus what percentage of potential action? I'll be looking keenly at this one. So, but yeah, but it's through Darren and Press, their their in-house publishing company that they've been uh, producing their Taldori and other Critical Role products with. So they have a publisher, you know, 
And here again, Wizard of the Coast, this didn't have to happen. They could have just re released Illuminated Worlds and been happy with that. Yeah. But then their next reveal was the Critical Role campaign game, where it's yeah. a actual full-on role-throated role-playing game with all the resource material called Daggerheart, because that's how a lot of fans feel when they do their plot twists. It's like, it, oh, oh, you're just stabbing too hard. Oh, Thanks a lot, George R.R. R. Martin. But <laughs> I like the name. Daggerheart does speak well to the, their understanding. <laughs> they have a sense of humor. Right. They, know, they know where they come from. Okay, They know what they've done. But we know almost nothing about it from just that it will support long-term campaign play and be typical of what you would expect from a normal RPG, which, yeah, that there's a lot in there that you can speculate on. And, yeah, but, okay, Critical Role is not Wizards of the Coast, okay, or Hasbro. They don't have billions of dollars. But they do have an enormously loyal fan base that will follow them if they decide to depart. And, and they have decided to cut ties. They are going forward. You know, you already see it. That he's no longer the dungeon master. He's the game master. Yeah. Uh, like the, the subtle alterations of language for legal reasons have already begun. So, uh, like, it may not have been, like, finalized. The ink isn't dry yet. But I, I feel like we can be pretty sure that's coming. You know, that inevitably they're going to move away from what is obviously a very dangerous entity to be involved with because it, it became apparent to everyone that uh, if you have any degree of genuine success using concepts that are similar enough to this, they want a cut of your pie and not a small one anymore. They want a perpetually evolving relationship according to their needs. That is not a... Boy, red flag relationship right there. That's like, you know, meeting yep. somebody at a house party and like, yeah, okay, you're sparking, you like them. And then they start talking about how every relationship they've ever had ended with the other person And in the jail. next thing, you're in a gimp suit. And yeah, I, you know, uh, they're like, well, I, I've been skipping my antipsychotic meds lately. <laughs> mm. Ah, red flag. Uh, you know, so they have seen the red flags. They have seen the writing on the wall and they know get away run <laughs> and that's the thing is like because we don't want to see them like at the, in the nda moments where they were like non-disclosure agreements were making them bite their tongues it just felt like the battered spouse syndrome and i i don't say that lightly i say that with a sense of horror because they were just like no everything is fine i i fall down a lot uh, I, I may have bumped my my my, no, my I bumped my eye on a doorknob. Uh, it's not what you think. Warning. It's not what you think. I felt terrible for all of the companies that have been in that spot where there's nothing they could talk about. Yeah. That, okay. So um, that that analogy, uh, it's apt, but uh, ooh, um, yeah. All right. It went a little dark there, but like. Uh, I, I don't think we're there yet with Critical that's, Role. Let's, that's let's light move back on the road. Let's let's move back onto the trail here. Let's. Uh, in, in all seriousness, uh, I'm very happy for those companies right. that are taking steps to move themselves away and to be able to publish what they want in a way that uh, respects their interests. And that if they have done all of the homework and all of the bookwork and all of the writing and all of creating, they should get the paycheck for it. So you know, like I know that the core concept all dates back to TSR and Gary. 
guess what? You know, uh, you know the the only person left from the original team uh, is Arneson. Okay, the the original duo, and I'm glad he gets some kickbacks here and there. Well, he's but, been, he's passed away. Oh, Arneson. Yeah. He's gone. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's, all right, yeah. There's nobody left from from like the dawn of gaming. Uh, Cask is still around. Uh, Jim Ward's still around. Yeah, like the the second, you know, click. But Rob Coons, the early Luke. TSR click. But uh, the the original, you know, creatives that uh, they're few and far between, and they are not well compensated for the most part. So I I'm, I'm just gonna say, uh, screw WOTC's intentions on this. Well, yeah, and uh, well, anyway, getting back on now. Now that I've rested the wheel away from Mike. <laughs> All right, back on the road. We're talking about Critical Role. We're talking about their fan base. And we're talking about a game that they are going to be highly invested in. And it looks yeah, going right. forward that this is the direction they want to take. And it is the response we kind of wanted to hear back then. But I kind of understand, with given the sparsity of details given about Daggerheart, it was only done in the recent months that they decided to go forward with this. So yeah. I look and they say, well, hey, come Gen Con, the Daggerheart role-playing game uh, playtest will be available. I'm like, all right, well, let's see how this rolls. So their yeah, their goal is to have the playtest out by then, yep. uh, not the, the full proper edition. So they'll be doing their beta work ahead of time. Yep. And good for them because uh, rushing it too much uh, would be, uh, I think, a critical mistake as opposed to a critical oh oh see what i did there um no i i i I like what they're doing um and i i do want to see what they come up with so it it's intriguing that this is the direction they wanted to take and a lot of people are like hey the silence from critical role was deafening and i was right there i was like yeah you know i i I can understand legally their obligation right well you knew why so did i but i got people who have had that look on their face uh, in my life you know they're they're the few people i've known have had that like haunted there's nothing i can talk about at this time yeah i've seen people subjected to that so well george carlin said it best that lawyers and politicians are the worst people to ever talk to because they never say anything yeah I advised my client. <laughs> what, did you talk to him? No, I advised him about a direction that he may want to take. What? All right. So that aside, I think that is also exciting. Also, some of the other um, Nave second edition is coming out. And I did a little, uh, on my own Facebook page, put a little homage to that. But that is an old school classless game that uh, seems to be avoiding a lot of the OGL fallout because they definitely stepped in between it like like an edgelord. They just walked between the raindrops. And <laughs> Nave looks really good. Also, uh, um, uh, Shadow Dark seems to be hitting the notes as well. And I think going forward, we're going to see these things continue. Um, oh, yeah. that's like It's only been a few months. That's not the end. Of the yeah, this is just going to get bigger. <laughs> Everywhere people are working on these things, uh, some of them will be ready for debut, uh, like at, at upcoming gaming events yeah. around the country. Uh, others we're probably not going to see come out of development until next year. So I, I honestly expect like this near future. Oh, it's only going to get bigger. Tsunami. Yeah. yeah, and well, once again, it's a blunder that creates a ripple that intensifies and 
every step has consequences in this industry and there is money to be made if old school essentials could make as much money as they did on their kickstarter to republish their books it just shows you that there's a lot going on here now we're going to talk about uh, one more game here before we jump into the last part and i would like to just take a moment to talk about some of the what i want to call adjacent DD games that have been out there that people are starting to get notice from and one of those still tragically underrepresented especially with that starter set uh, we're going to do a full review i'm sending mike with a copy of the runequest starter set runequest man the starter set if there is not a time where to get on board with some bronze age mythological fantasy I don't know what better time you're waiting for because RuneQuest has really hit it and also Call of Cthulhu have really seen a resurgence. Oh, boy. And you know Especially what? Call of Cthulhu uh, in terms of its perfect setting for murder mysteries and, you know, like uh, curiosities and, you know, the, the weird stuff. Now, like a, RuneQuest has proven to be a big favorite uh, for people who like that wonderful... Uh, close to historical era gaming with the fantastic touch yeah. included. Now, Call of Cthulhu. Oh, I mean, if oh, you want to do something like Tindalos. if you want to do something like the 1920s and 1930s, uh, and you know, like that hint of noir, uh, and you know, like uh, tracking down jewels involved in some insidious series of deaths, uh, the Explanation for which ultimately leads you to a clique of wealthy socialites who have engaged in battle and cosmic horrors that yes. should not be named. And uh, it just consumes your soul and sanity in the same breath. Yeah, so that's oh, your. It's so much awesomeness. That's that's Call of Cthulhu. You say, well, but for Randy and Mike, those games have been around forever, right? And a lot of people keep neglecting them, and we're just going to be pushing them out there because RuneQuest is enjoying a great renaissance of good writing. Nick Brook and other fellows at the Johnstown Compendium are doing good, solid fantasy work. Get your butt over there. You deserve it to yourself if you call yourself a fantasy Low gamer. cost, highly accessible, can't say enough good things. So, yep, and then we're going to land the plane here. Flaps down, put down the wheels, Mike. We're landing okay. this big bastard on the strip. I yeah, don't care. if I've been full of vinegar today, it's largely because uh, I, I was, like, just trapped in work mode and have not been able to vent and oh yeah like sitting on the sidelines is not for me I, I look I'm, if there's one thing i'm more than willing to fight to take control of the wheel and get us back on course that's why i love you man you know i honestly like like he can do this without me but i can't do this without him <laughs> oh, okay because yeah. this this is the tether to my zeppelin like i would just be wandering around all over the place up there in the <laughs> upper stratosphere and you would have no idea, like just kimonos flapping in every direction and very little to show for it. Uh, well, everybody loves the spectacle, but we're late in the plane. Come on, okay. focus, Mike. What we're talking about now is the Pathfinder 2nd Edition remaster. Now, if you wanted to know all the missteps, and maybe this is hindsight. We'll, maybe we'll the... be doing a bigger discussion of this. Yeah, in, an upcoming in episode. Time to come. But if you wanted to know, like, how to do a release of a not new edition but a new a uh, new adaptation or remaster of the rules paizo sat down and said okay how do we not look like wizards of the coast and this is what they came up with is the remaster oh yes yeah and they say like okay uh the remaster's got some new rules in here 
but the core system is staying exactly the same. So if you have the core rulebook right now, you don't need to buy this new remaster. This is for us going forward, getting rid of the OGL legacy contents like the Axe of the Dorbish Lord from the Magic Items Artifacts era. Yeah. They have to divest themselves of the Owlbear, the Displaced Beast, and all the other creatures that are adjacent. And also remove some things like Magic Missile, which will just be renamed Arcane Volley, Sleep Spells, which is um, Slumber. I mean, really, Wizards, you're going to get that petty? Somnolence. Yeah, and that's how it's going to be is going forward for them. They have to do this. And if they're going to have to do this, then they're going to fix a couple classes like the Alchemist and Witch and a few other fiddly uh, small things, maybe some new crafting rules or resource management. But that's about it. So if you have the current edition of the rules, keep playing. If you want a new updated, uh, well, what about the Witch? Well, it'll be free, free on Archives of Nethys. And I think that's something that people have yet to grasp is how accessible Pathfinder makes its rules to play. Yeah, and this is one of those perfect fusions of the mod the reality of the modern internet uh, at people's ah. fingertips uh, be right being a facet of the way in which they interact with their game, as opposed to the VTT concept, which it kind of limits everything to the idea that like you all have to meet online, you all have to like get onto this subscription service provided uh, forum. And, you know, the additional perks cost more money. The That's the unhealthiest version of a future of yeah. gaming on the Internet. Now, Paizo, on the other hand, like, hey, we're just literally using this as a vehicle for you to acquire as much additional free material as possible. Like all the addendums and stuff like that. We're just going to throw a bunch of that on here and you can download it at will. Yeah, or it's excised from the lore. Access it and make use of it while it's online. And guess what? You don't have to pay anything for it. We, we just want to support you in the playing of the game, and then you will come to us and buy our, like, actual products. Yeah, you don't have to bring your entire library with you. Yeah. And that's how you do a soft edition release. Now, is it a true edition? I'm going to go out there and say it is not a new edition. Yeah. It is a cleanup yeah. of the rules. It's like, okay, we have to reprint everything. Why not clean up the rules? Yeah, from 3 three to 3.5 for Pathfinder, this is from 2 to 2.5. Uh, and remember that the real reason it's necessary, I mean, they could have just run with 2, except that Wizards pulled the trigger on, like, this is all of our property, and, like, y'all are going to need to pay us a lot for it. Uh, and in the aftermath of that, we're going to, have to get like little 2.5s from a lot of people who are divesting themselves of like legal connection to WOTC because they they've recognized the red flags. They see that this is well to the game. This not is a to... toxic situation. We need to bulletproof our company and our resources against legal intrusion. So there is going to be a lot of that going around. Yeah, and you know, going forward, that's the way it's going to be. And well, I would keep saying it. Didn't have to be like this, Wizards, but yeah, from you asked. On, uh, it's really up to Wizards because I mean, they're going to be flying solo, not going to be a lot of entities that want to like piggyback with them. So, yeah, that's it. That's all. Well, that's all we can say about it for now. But hey, I think we said quite a lot, and oh. uh, good to have you back, brother. So, look, we're going to sign off here. But thanks everybody for tuning in. Remember, you can like us on our Facebook page, the Dice Screaming Group. Join it and, uh, yeah, give us some likes and head pats. We will enjoy them. 
So until next time, may the dice always roll in your favor. We're out. See ya. Thank you.